How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 58 of X Last, where we're finally going to wrap up the other New Mutant story, the original New Mutant story. Um, after the time we spent on the farm and getting that story all resolved, it's finally time to uh, to get the kids home from Shi'ar space, and uh, we will do so right away in New Mutants Volume 4, Number 7, which had an April 2020 cover date. The story's called Spoilers, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Rod Reese. Letters, VCs, Travis Lanham, designs, Tom Muller, edits, Bisa white Sabolski. cover price, $3.99, went on sale February 19th, 2020. And we open with our, uh, well, we're used to getting a recap segment from Sunspot, right? Uh, it's sort of customary, but this time it's not so much a recap. Uh, Bobby actually tells us a whole darn story. So uh, let's let's see what we got here. Addressing our cliffhanger from issue five, uh, we find out that magic saved the two quote do nothing Gen Xers. To which I say, hey, I resemble that remark. Uh, then some of the new mutants were taken hostage by the Shi'ar Death Commandos. They were tortured a bunch, especially Doug, since he cries the most. We do learn something here. Doug reveals that one of his passwords is butterscotch puddin' with no G. Then Deathbird arrives and makes the save. She decapitates one of the commandos and then makes out with Sunspot. Well, that this is his story. While he tells it, however, Deathbird corrects the record. She says they only kissed one time. Now, the New Mutants are reunited, and they went on to continue their way to the throne world or wherever it is that they're headed. Uh, from here, we get a cute little scene. Uh, might be a touch too Deadpool-y for some. They're really dependent on your mileage where Roberto is wrapping up his recap when he's interrupted by Danny Moonstar, who informs him that he just ins- he just spoiled an entire issue's worth of story. Now, Berto is confused, since as far as he knew, he just told the story that occurred in issue number six of New Mutants, to which Danny informs him that their story didn't continue in New Mutants number six. That was more of the farm stuff. Well, Sunspot's shocked and quite annoyed that there are New Mutants stories going on that don't feature him. He turns to the reader and lets out a what the F. So uh, how about a what the F roll call time? It's a, it's a biggie. We got a lot of characters here. Karma, Wolfsbane, Mondo, Cypher, Mirage, Sunspot, Chamber, Magic, Smasher, Cannibal, Gladiator, Mentor, Oracle, Deathbird, and Xandra. Now we can fit all those characters on one page, right? But somehow we still need two for the credits. And I'm sorry, you must all be really tired of me harping on about that by now, but uh, it's there and it's annoying. Okay, back to comics. We hop over to Chandelar, Chandelar, wherever this is, where Xandra is waiting for the arrival of her Aunt Deathbird so she could begin her um, royalty training or whatever it is. 
Oracle tells her about over the, how over the next few years it's going to be important for Xandra to, to learn to trust her counsel. Which is funny, coming from the person who sent the Death Commandos out to murder Deathbird, but we won't worry about that just yet. Xandra asks Gladiator what he thinks of her aunt, to which he refers to her as a, quote, bird of prey. Sort of a nothing happening scene, but uh, it's there and we'll talk about it anyway. Okay, we jump to four cycles later, where Deathbird and the New Mutants arrive on Chandelar. We get a scene with Karma, Wolfsbane, and Magic as they watch over a Death Commando hostage they'd taken. Now, this is the gaseous Sega. Uh, it's just actually gas. Um, he's being contained in a sphere, which uh, Rain licks, which is kind of weird, before becoming very bored and scurrying away, which is also kind of weird, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Rain as we, as we work through this. Now, Doug pops open over to question Sega, but he ain't wanting to talk. And he's quite glib about it, too. He asks the kids, what, what are they going to possibly do to him to make him talk? To which, Doug reveals that the containment sphere orb thing is a bit more than what it might look like. In fact, they can change the pressure of the thing and transform Sega into a liquid or solid if they decide, and uh, the latter of which scares the bejesus out of the baddie, so he's primed and ready to talk. So we jump ahead one cycle later, where Karma reveals to the team what she's learned from Sega. Basically, they're walking into a trap. Now Deathbird's ticked off and she promises to kill someone. Doug reveals that the Imperial Guard is actually in on this scheme, and now Smasher is ticked, not that that's anything new to any of us here, and uh, now she promises to kill someone. She still really sucks, though, and this issue would have been a lot better without this panel in it. One cycle later, Deathbird and company are where they need to be. Uh, They're in that throne room, that big room where where the people are. Uh, Xandra is very pleased to see her aunt. Uh, Deathbird says that their training begins right this very second, and the first lesson is to uh, have no mercy for traitors. And with that, she hurls her spear directly at Oracle's heart. Now, the spear is caught by Gladiator, who throws it right back at Deathbird. Now, the spear is then caught by Bobby, who proceeds to snap the spear over his knee. Of course, this was originally Deathbird's spear, her favorite, in fact. Uh, So we get a brief mea culpa here from uh, Roberto, which is kind of cute. Then, a fight! Not your garden variety fight, though. This isn't Major X, so we're not going to spend the latter half of this issue with the punchy punch. Instead, what we get is an info page, which treats the entire kerfuffle as a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, dice rolls, and all. So, like, we are supposed to play this battle out, eliminating combatants until only one team is left standing. Makes me wish I had some physical dice handy, but I don't, so, uh... I suppose we'll have to settle for the dice roller at random.org. Okay, so let's uh, let's do this here. We're going to have ourselves a battle. Now, round one, we get the roll call for the mutants and the guardians here. So we get, for the mutants, a roll of one is Mirage, two is Smasher, three is Mondos, four is Chamber, five is Wolfsbane, and six is Karma. For the guardians, a roll of one is Manta, two is Earthquake, three is Quasar, four is Starbolt, five is Flashfire, and six is Hussar. So, round one, Smasher versus Flashfire. And I swear I didn't set this up, but uh, Smasher loses right away. Flashfire, fives to fight another round. So, roll two, Mirage versus Flashfire, and the winner of that is Mirage. Round three, Mirage versus Quasar. Mirage wins that one, too. Roll four is uh, Wolfsbane versus Manta, and Manta wins that one, so Wolfsbane is out of here. 
Roll five is Chamber versus Manta, and Manta wins that one as well, so Chamber's gone. Roll six, Mirage versus Manta. Mirage wins. Roll seven, Mondo versus Hussar. Hussar wins. Round eight, Karma versus Starbolt. Karma wins. Round nine, Mirage versus Hussar. Hussar wins. Round ten, Karma versus Earthquake. Karma wins. And we're going all the way down to the wire here. We got one person left on both teams here. So round 11 is Karma versus Hussar. And our winner is Karma. So the the uh, Imperial Guard has been KO'd for this first round. And we have one new mutant left standing. So an entire team's gone. So it's time for round two, where we introduce the final three participants per side. Now for the mutants, one is Cannonball, two is Sunspot, and three is Magic. And uh, these guys, if I'm reading this right, will actually be rolls of 2, 3, and 4, since Karma is still alive and she will be number 1. That's how I'm going to play it anyway. I have zero experience in the D&D department. I'm just doing my best. Now across the aisle, we have the Guardians here. A roll of 1 is Mentor, 2 is Oracle, and 3 is Gladiator. So let's go. So roll 12. Cannonball versus Mentor. Cannonball wins. Round 13, Cannonball versus Gladiator. A draw, which, if we refer back to our rules, means both both uh, combatants are eliminated. So Cannonball and Gladiator, they KO'd each other. They're both out of here. And uh, round 14, the final, is Magic versus Oracle, and Magic wins. So the new mutants win. But before we can ramp up, we got to scream the word Deathbird, which... Uh, I guess that's part of the rules here, which, if I still had my normal, versatile, unallergy-ridden written pipes, I'd uh, do it for you, I promise. But uh, for now, I'll just say it a little bit louder. Deathbird, there you go. Back to comics, where Xandra is calling everyone to stop fighting. Now, Deathbird wants Oracle to die for her Kahootin and Kavortin, which Oracle, when pressed, admits to being a party to. She's got nothing to hide. Thing of it is, she really just wanted Gladiator to be put on the throne. So she's got her loyalties and yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> now Chandra, or Xandra, wanting to keep the peace as best she can, decides to not only spare Oracle, but to install her as her second advisor alongside Anti-Deathbird. So everything's all hunky-dory and the new mutants are good to go home. Just as soon as Mondo is told where to plant the Krakoan gateway seed, that is. The place they choose is Sam and Izzy's apartment, which is fair enough. Now, we join the New Mutants at Sam's place, where a big ol' mutant hoedown is going on. We see some notable names here. We got Wolverine, Beast, Magneto. They're all just hanging out, having a grand old time here. Now, Sam's happy to have the portal, since this means his friends can visit anytime they'd like. He also reveals that, well, he's staying in Shi'ar space. He won't be relocating his family to Krakoa. Sunspot, upon hearing this, is quite annoyed and wonders what this was all for. Uh, Sam suggests that maybe Bobby stay a while, and it turns out uh, this is an idea that our erstwhile narrator thinks might just work. Elsewhere at the party, we see Cyclops chatting up Gladiator. Now, Gladiator thanks Cyclops for all that the mutants have done, and suggests that the Imperial Guard is now in their debt. Cyclops kind of shrugs it off like it's no big thing, but then he thinks of something. He's like, hey, you know, if you are indebted to us, there's a favor you can do, and... uh, what he'd like is to plant another Krakoan gateway seed on a different Shi'ar planetoid. This is the moon known as Chandelure. And Gladiator gives a big ol' thumbs up, says, Consider it done. All, everything's good. 
We jump back to the kids where Wolfsbane is introduced to the little Majestrix and they exchange power stories. So Rain transforms into her wolf form while Xandra transforms into a ball of light, which Rain proceeds to lick. Weird. Um, Rain is then quickly bored by Xandra and rushes off to go home, which is also kind of weird. Now the mutants all proceed to head back to Krakoa, leaving us with Sam and Bobby sitting out on the balcony. Sam informs Berto that Smasher said that he can't stay with them because, you know, she's the worst. And our man's totally cool with this because, you see, he decided he'd just buy the whole damn apartment building anyway. And he's going to have a place to stay no matter what. And we learn that he bought this place since it was the, the closest building for sale to the Imperial Palace because he still has the hot pants for Deathbird. Sam asks him how many times he's been in love, to which, after some long mathematics, Berto replies with 12. So that's a whole lot of love. Now, Bobby celebrates the fact that he and his pal are going to get into so much space trouble, and that's where we end. That's the end of our New Mutants story here. Next episode, we are going to kick off Wave 2 with Wolverine, Volume Friggin' 7, (laughs) Number 1, and it's a big fat issue so uh maybe we'll uh, we'll pack a lunch and we'll stop halfway through for a, for a snack but uh that's next episode let's finish up this episode by talking about everything we just learned this was a pretty good issue a pretty uh, solid issue um well maybe it was a little too deadpooly in its attempts at comedy breaking the fourth wall and i don't know just plain old cuteness uh, i rather enjoyed it i'm uh, not sure the resolution was worth all the build up but I mean, on this very show, we've read far worse, right? Um, plus, this had charm for days, so I can't be too mad at it. I'm just really not sure where we go from here. Um, out of curiosity, I flipped to the roll call page of New Mutants number 8, the next issue, and it looks like it's going to feature that other team. You know, the armor, the twins, boom, boom. So maybe we'll be checking back in with this one, this crew in number 9? I, I really don't know, but uh, let's go through the issue here. Let's start at the beginning. I dug the uh, recap gimmick. I thought it was fairly funny in a in a meta sort of way. Also, the story that Berto shared was not something I would have wanted to dedicate an entire episode to, so to get that out of the way quickly was just fine by me. It did kind of brush off our cliffhanger from New Mutants number 5, which, I mean, why even bother with the cliffhanger then? It's, uh, we've talked, we talked during that issue that uh, cliffhangers where death is uh, <laughs> is the is the worst-case scenario really don't carry a whole lot of weight in the uh, in the post-resurrection protocol world here, but I don't know. I didn't so much mind the breaking-the-fourth-wall aspects of this scene. Um, while I do find that gimmick to be very tired and very played out and usually used or abused by folks who think they're being way more clever than they actually are, I thought it worked here. Um, I mean, Sunspot is basically Zack Morris, right? It worked for Zack... So it works for Berta. I'm fine with it. Uh, the revelation that they were heading into a trap worked well, despite the fact of just how weird Rain was <laughs> during this whole process. I mean, Rain was just acting weird throughout this entire issue, almost like a cartoon character or something. Yeah, very off-putting, very, very strange. Now, the scene where the New Mutants and Deathbird arrived was fun. Berto breaking the spear was pretty cute. Uh, the D&D thing... Eh, well, well we, we kind of had fun with it, but... Uh, Maybe it was a little bit of a cop-out. I'm not sure if this was just a clever way to not have to draw a fight scene, or if this level of uh, 
cuteness was always intended. Um, it was a decent enough gimmick. I'll give them that. Um, but I got to tell you, I don't need or want to see anything like it again anytime soon. It was it was good once. Let's not overplay our hand. Uh, the resolution was quick and perhaps a bit too tidy, but it worked well enough. I mean, what else could we have done, right? I don't think we wanted to read more issues of this. Uh, the party scene to wrap up was pretty fun. Rain's weirdness notwithstanding. I liked Cyclops and Gladiator having their chat. It makes me wonder what Scott might have planned for the Chandelure Moon. I don't think that that was just a request made in passing. I'm guessing that there was a purpose to that, and uh, it'll be eventually followed up on, I would assume. Uh, the Berto and Sam scene at the end was okay. But again, I mean, I'm using this word a lot to describe this issue, but it may be a little too cute. <laughs> Uh, I mean, does this mean that Sunspot's not going to be living on Krakoa for the foreseeable future? Uh, further, is this the only story arc we're going to be getting with this classic-ish team? From this point on, will it actually become that amalgamated Young Mutants book that I uh, posited the other the other episode? Not really sure how I feel about that, though it's probably not something I should exert all that much energy worrying about, because I don't know... Uh, a ding-dang thing So we'll just play it as we get it And we'll uh, we'll hope for the best Overall, fun If not a little too cute issue <laughs> And uh, I do think our Shi'ar trip Lasted just about as long As it should have um, We didn't overstay our welcome And uh, we got enough time You know, so I'm happy that it's over And uh, And yeah, had a good time with it for the most part before we cut out of here, let's dip into the mailbag here. We have one message from uh, Evan Bevins, and he's got a theory. And it is a hot take theory, which are my very favorite kinds of theories here. And he says, The remark on the episode 18 feedback about Wolverine being resurrected with adamantium and your earlier comment about Sabretooth not being the first one in stasis got me to thinking about this possibility, which may be already disproven or revealed for all I know. Evan then says that he uh, has read up to issue 6 on X-Men, Marauders, um, New Mutants, and Excalibur, and only issue 1 on Fallen Angels and X-Force. Then he continues, What if most of the mutants, or at least the core X-Men, are in stasis? And the familiar but slightly off versions... Uh, why on earth would Jean go to where, go back to wearing the Marvel Girl costume? That might be the most unsettling change of all. Are tweaked clones. Professor X saving mutant kind by preserving them while he fixes the world. Which, wow, okay. Let's, let's, I mean, it's weird because I, I, I've been thinking about this, this comment, this theory for uh, the better part of a day now. And, uh... I, I can't like I can't let go of it at this point. I'm I'm becoming kind of obsessed with it because it almost makes too much sense in, in some ways, right? Um, now, if I unless uh, you know, hopefully I didn't butcher uh, what Evans' intent was with this theory, but he's suggesting that the main X Men are in stasis right now, and the X Men that we're seeing on the page are clones. They're tweaked clones to preserve the originals. So basically. Not risking the originals and having these these ciphers, these clones out there that we're watching. And I mean, that's a really cool theory. That's a really cool theory because even the example he gives here of Jean wearing her Marvel Girl costume. And uh, one of the things that we've been discussing a lot here is the fact that uh, 
Maybe there's a little bit of manipulation going on in the resurrection process. Maybe Xavier is is tinkering. Maybe he's playing. Maybe he's tweaking these uh, resurrectees to be a little bit more like he'd like them to be. You know, we see like weird, you know, bizarre love triangles being sort of pushed. Um, we see uh, the, like certain characters acting like Wolverine acting all you know placated and happy and playing with kids and stuff, which doesn't seem terribly Wolverine-y. I, I, and it makes me wonder, I mean, here we have Jean in her Marvel Girl costume, which might just be an Xavier preference for all we know. You know, there have been those stories in the past, whether we like them or not, that suggest that there was a, uh, a bit of a crush uh, on Jean from the uh, professor. So, I mean, here we are. She's in a very classic costume that we haven't seen her wear. I'm pretty sure she hasn't worn it my entire life. I mean, I'm 40 years old. I don't think she's worn it a day that I've been alive until now. So I wonder if this is an Xavier preference. And uh, and also, we can think about it more here, because one of the complaints I've had over the past several episodes, or past like couple dozen episodes, I suppose, is that uh, we're treating death as, a, uh, as an illness, right? We're not taking it seriously. Of course, we know, the readers, we know that the stakes have changed, right? We've talked about this before. We know that there's a resurrection protocol, and we know that there's a way back. But one of the things that I've been harping on, maybe too much, is the fact that when a character dies, nobody really reacts, you know? I mean, with, with few, with few um, except, exceptions. I mean, we did just read the Marauders issue where they found out that Kitty had died. So yes, there are some there are some exceptions to the rule. But I mean, we saw Quentin Quire get his head cut off. Nobody really cared, you know. And yeah, Qu- Quentin's a jerk, but still this is someone dying. You know, we had Wolverine gut that guy during Fantastic Four miniseries. Nobody really cared. It's uh I don't know, it just feels like maybe these are clones that we're reading. I mean, that's a very, very hot take, right? Um, but nevertheless, it, right now, if it would happen, it wouldn't surprise me. Because it, it, these seeds are being planted, it seems, right? If there was just a big reveal at the end of X of Tens or whatever comes after X of Tens, where we go deep into the, the bowels of Krakoa and we see the original team there just all in stasis... It wouldn't surprise me now because it feels like they are planting the you know, no pun intended they are planting the seeds for it. It's certainly something that I could see happening, and um, these are the kind of theories I love reading because they're just I mean everything's on the table right now, right? If you've listened to this show for an extended period of time, you'll know that I've made wild, wild <laughs> guesses and uh, and you know most of them were swings and misses, but. That's part of the fun, you know. Um, the hotter the take, the the more interesting it is to me. So, I want to thank Evan for sharing this and giving me perhaps a little bit too much in the way of food for thought because uh, now this is what I'm going to be looking for. <laughs> I'm going to be looking for um, examples of. I'm, I'm going to be looking at things to occur that would validate this theory, or at least not not discount it. Because it's very, very interesting, and I like it a lot. So thank you for sharing that, Evan. I really, really appreciate it. I did get another message from our friend Andrew in Belfast, but uh, it was a little bit more personal, so I don't want to share it here, but I do want to thank him 
tremendously for the message because uh, it really, it, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm known to say that things make my day, but this this really made my month. This was uh, a heck of a message, and uh, I really really appreciate it. So thank you so much for uh, for your words, Andrew. I it really really means the world to me. So thank you. Now, if anyone else out there would like to make my day, uh, you could do so by getting a hold of me. You can reach me on Twitter at Ace Comics or via the old Gmail box, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. If you want to check out blog posts and show notes and all sorts of stuff, you can go to chrisoninfiniteearths.com. Also, there's xlaps.chrisoninfiniteearths.com if you're just interested in this program. You can check out the Facebook group at 90s X-Men on Facebook, and uh, the audio archives are at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. But I think that's where we will put a pin in it for today. Uh, like I said, next next episode we start Wave 2. Uh, wave 2 is, I'm considering Wave 2 to be four books, Wolverine, Cable, Hellions, and X-Factor at this point, and uh, we will be kicking off with that first very, very thick issue of Wolverine next episode. So look forward to that. Hope you are as well. Uh, one last giant thank you to everyone for uh, sharing their time and uh, joining me on this little trip. And uh, till next time, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya. Searching.